0: Hello and welcome to episode zero of Her Majesty's Tech Podcast, working title.
1: Uh, 100% sponsored by the Queen herself.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we're, we're sitting on her soil here. so
1: yeah. I mean, I did get her address, so I can email her, mail her and ask. Right, but. so if
0: you've got any feedback or complaints, where would someone send their letters to you? I have it somewhere here. I
1: think it's uh, the Buckingham Palace. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, I guess we could just ask Google for an address and then. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, speaking of asking Google, these fucking voice assistants. Hey Google. Yeah, I I guess this they is a good never start. Work. Hey Google, isn't it okay, Google? I mean, by... <laughs> oh yeah, see that works. Uh,
0: do we okay? Still, hey Google. Shouldn't you reply to hey Google?
1: I'm afraid I don't understand. I know. How does Google not understand its own commands? And I mean, I've even trained it with my voice model, so there is really no reason for it not. Yeah, I like. People keep saying like, "There's so much innovation in voice, and and it's come that far." But to be honest, I could tell my phone to call my mom twenty five years ago or twenty years ago, and this is still basically the level these things are at. You tell them something to do, and they do it. They're not. These things aren't smart. They're not AI. They're just dumb remote controls to control my voice. Emil, have you tried an Alexa? Uh, Yes. Okay, do
0: do you have one at home? Uh, No. Okay, so I have not really spent much time with them, but the way I understand it is that the Alexas or echoes they they call them Alexas, right? No, 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 no. They're they're Echo devices, and Alexa is the voice. Okay, so what's like the... uh, collective noun for for these things?
1: Amazon voice assistants? Uh, Bezos little pets? I don't know. Gotcha, okay. I think they're called
0: Echoes. Echo devices. Alright, okay. So I've never really tried one, but uh, I understand that they are way more I don't want to say dumb. They're like more programmatically minded so you have to like phrase your queries in a very specific way for it to pick it up but it also means that the success rate if you say something in the way they expect it is much higher than for the google homes or series of the world for
1: for me none of these actually ever work i use so i use actually siri a ton for setting timers uh that's it uh, I, I use Siri for setting timers. I use it multiple times a day, but that's the only thing I use it for. Uh, okay, okay, okay. You say multiple times. Also, multiple timers. Do those work for you? Uh, no, they do not. Uh, <laughs> and I was uh, I was fucked over by that. Like two days ago, I was cooking something and needed three timers at the same time, and that just didn't work. Is it supposed to work now? No, or is it just a feature that? No, they haven't. They haven't. Okay, I, I listened that. to an episode of the Accidental
0: Tech Podcast. Uh, I think last night, and apparently there is experimental support for this now. Oh, at least like on the Home Pod, but I think Marco then ran into an issue where he tried to set up a second timer. And got the response, "I uh, I can't do that yet" or something. Try to do it again, and it worked. So it seems like they they're doing like a stage rollout, and <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, on, there's which also, server you did may work or may may not.
1: Siri also has this weird thing where it works differently on different devices. So I don't have an whole pod, but on my iMac, I have Siri. Do that actually work differently? Yes. So so because because they interact with apps on the device, I can't set a timer on my iMac because. Because OS X does not have a timer app. So I can't ask Siri to set me a timer. It says, I can't do that, but I can set a reminder for you. <laughs> and it's like, sure, whatever. As long as you tell me when the time is up, that's really all I care about. How do reminders work? I mean, it's like Apple has this reminders app, which is basically a to do app, but it's really, it's pretty shit, to be honest. Uh, but you can also set, like, date and times for those reminders. The only good thing is that it integrates with the Siri. That's the only good thing about it.
0: Right. So I think reminders might be the single most useful thing about Google Assistants. Yeah. Um, have, have you seen them? them in action? They're actually really cool. So you can, firstly, you can say, remind me at home or at work. Yeah. And we'll have, like, uh, geofence reminders, which I think are super useful because I, I think this is probably the most common thing, how I, like, bind... My requests—it's like remind me of something at work or when I'm home. Like pick up the keys, pick up a parcel from the concierge, document this one feature when I'm back at work. But what's really cool is uh, on the Google Home, and they've only added this like maybe a year after the release. Is if you have a reminder, it will first ping you like actually on its own wake up say hey I've got a reminder for you or something, and then have an LED light up and it stays lit until you've uh, read the. Reminder. But
1: does it also, what reminder app does it use? It's not really an app. Like, how it's, does it, how can you see the reminders on your phone? Uh, you can ask your Google app,
0: I guess, but they also, I, I'm not entirely sure in which places they all show up. They definitely show up in the Google app, and you can look at all the reminders you've set there. I believe they also show up in, inbox i'm not sure if they also show up in gmail because
1: inbox is no longer a thing right as I understand. so like it. reminders work really well for siri because because i use what i have like three apple devices in front of me now and those are only half the ones i own right uh, but they show up everywhere and it syncs everywhere and it just kind of works and it has the geofencing it has like the base it has all of that and it just reminds me wherever i am but yeah, like I use reminders and timers for these voice assistants, but I wouldn't call that smart or AI really. They can't, they're pretty stupid. Like I tell them to do something and they, they have no idea what what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. this, this has so far to go. And I don't know if you just saw like Amazon had this event like yesterday where they released something like 20 new devices. Uh, and my, including microwaves, yeah. Yeah, and they just want like... They they had some novel implementations here. Like, the microwave is actually cool. Wait, what? Yes. You actually think this? Okay, explain. Yes. Explain yourself. Because I can go put in a chicken filet in the microwave that's frozen... I never know the time for this. I can press the microwave button and say one chicken fillet frozen, and it does the. It looks up and sets the correct time. And shit, it, which is like that is actually shit. I, I had not considered this particular like scenario. That that does yeah, actually make sense. It's really cool. It's not one of the it, like. No, you're never going to be in your living room and be like, start the microwave for one minute because you need to go and put
0: stuff in the microwave anyway. Yeah. Okay, let let me explain the way I thought about this. It's it's really I put something in, I know already exactly how long I would like to heat it up or something, and then instead of just pressing the the physical buttons, I then have to like either press a voice button or say uh hey dingus, cook this for 2 minutes 20 seconds, and that sounds ridiculous.
1: Oh yeah, I mean that's that's just stupid, but no, this is actually truly useful. Like Okay. Yeah, I, this I totally is something get this. that like happens to me all the time, and I need to, like. I mean, in the end, I just guess, and it usually turns out fine. So, how much does it actually save me? Probably not much,
0: but I, I totally get that. It's useful if you don't have to like manually look up uh, in in a stupid menu on the display find the right program or look it up on google like how long does it take to heat up 350 grams of chicken filet when it's frozen or something
1: exactly you just press the start button tell it what you're doing and it's done right? I feel that's like that's actually cool
0: i feel like i need to watch the actual presentation because i only saw the reports that others have written and that was like oh you could sit on the couch and then tell your microwave to heat up your popcorn or something and uh, who does that
1: well especially because you still need to go up and put the popcorn in the microwave precisely so unless it's
0: literally you, useless unless you combine a fridge or a freezer with a microwave and then can say uh the thing i deposited in there yesterday night please heat it up now uh yeah it's kind of rubbish
1: yeah but the the as i understood it i haven't watched the full thing yet but as i understood it, the biggest thing they launched was this like chip that basically enables any vendor to build an Alexa-powered device. And this is really what the microwave is. It's just a proof of concept of implementing this chip. Right. Uh, And they want everybody integrating smart home stuff to integrate Alexa, so they're in the Amazon ecosystem. Uh, And that that is their biggest move. They're locking everybody into that ecosystem. And this is the way they want to beat Google, is basically make it so simple to just like, why wouldn't you? It makes sense, doesn't it? It's
0: like Amazon is the everything store and they also want to integrate Amazon into everything at the same time. So like, and I I don't have the headline in front of me, but there was also some announcement that they were working directly with home builders and then basically try to find ways of integrating Alexa essentially as your
1: house is built into everything that's in there. Yeah, I mean, this doesn't surprise me. They bought like, com- doorbell companies and, like, smart camera companies as well. They're, they're really... I mean, Alexa becoming a big thing, I feel like, was an accident. They built this thing, and it was kind of like, oh, shit, this is popular. And now they're, they're steering their whole consumer arm towards this, in a way. What would need to change, in your opinion, to make voice assistance actually useful? So I do think voice is going to be a big part of the future of computing. Uh, I truly believe that. I don't think it's going to be the main interface, how we compute, because, because we are very, like, humans are very visual. So so it's not going to be the main computational interface, But but I do think it's going to become more and more important. But the thing that needs to change is that it actually becomes smart. Like, right now, they are... <laughs> Basically, just remote controls, I tell them to do this thing, and they do it it's not smart, like
0: I still wonder, so I have it so many times that my Google home misunderstands me, and I do wonder if this is um, the microphone setup, my silly accent, or me not being clear enough I, d- I don't really know, so it's first like this general voice recognition thing that still needs a ton of improvement, like. yeah, yeah, and I think the second part is that. Right now, we're focusing mostly on the home, and Amazon is very clear about this and all the integration in in the IoT space. But I do still wonder if there's an angle where, in public spaces, this could be more useful. But this requires more of a social shift, I believe, or cultural shift, because I still think it's incredibly obnoxious when you see someone talking to the phone, setting up even just a reminder I've definitely been guilty of this, but I I try to not do this in crowded spaces on the tube or something.
1: I'm really excited to watch specifically uh, like this in the Asian markets, where this is much more accepted, usually because it's so much harder to type out on smartphones their character systems. Oh, that's interesting. So looking at things like um, WhatsApp or WeChat, the main like... Maybe not the main, but a very, very significant portion of all messages sent are voice clips. And they do this on subways, outside, everywhere. This has become accepted and part of, like, accepted in the culture because it's so difficult to type uh, their character system on a touchscreen. So I think in those places where it's culture accepted, this will change um, or innovation in the space will happen a lot faster than in uh, in the Western world. Do you use voice clips? I friends, I think right? I by accident sent it once. Yes. <laughs> oh, I once sent an
0: accidental voice clip to a group, which was supposed to go to my mum. That was
1: fun. Yeah, I I'm still recovering I, I, I'm, from this. I'm with you here. That like you don't really want to do that in public. It feels weird. It feels like an intrusion of privacy because I'm, <laughs> I'm saying something private out loud and people don't want to hear that and I don't want them to hear yeah, that, but... I do actually have some friends that almost exclusively
0: communicate with me over long distances, of course, <laughs> uh, via voice clips. They don't not like really? typing. Yeah. I, I'm not really sure uh, what this is related to, but yeah, some people just have this as sort a of preference. See, yeah, I
1: find it so awkward because like... I, actually, it's become... It's better now since actually uh, Apple released the AirPods. It's actually been... I mean, the way I use my phone has changed since I got the AirPods. The way I use audio on my phone has changed. Prior to AirPods, I would i would never look at a, at a YouTube clip or anything on the bus or in public ever. It was just too much of a hassle to take out my headphones. Like, they were tangled or in my bag or, like, whatever. Like, since I got the AirPods, it takes, like, what? max five seconds to put them in. I'll actually just like take them out for a 10-second YouTube clip that I want to watch on the bus. Uh, so since AirPods, I actually think that uh, voice clip communication is more viable for them than ever because they've just changed the way I use audio on my phone.
0: Oh, man, I can so relate. So I, I really hated everything Bluetooth-related, and that was mostly because a lot of the... Early Bluetooth headphones or earphones came with those super obnoxious blue LEDs that kept blinking even when they when they were connected, and they looked kind of doofy. And then I got like my first pair of super cheap Chinese manufactured Bluetooth earphones, and they still looked kind of silly. They were pretty bulky, especially on the earpieces. But oh my god, they were just so convenient. You just basically could keep them around the entire time. Now I mostly have um these anchor earbuds or smartbuds or whatever they call them. Also a pretty silly name. And they still look look a bit goofy. They they're not as I'm not sure if I should call AirPods sleek because I still think they look a well, bit silly br- but well,
1: uh, AirPods are, are most definitely the sleek. They you might not like the look of them but they're sleek compared to some of the bulkier buds.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, I guess that's that's fair. These still look look a bit nerdy but oh my god they're so convenient. I keep them around most of the day, even though I realize that they aren't really a fashion accessory. But it, as you said, it's so useful if you just have the ability to listen to something on your phone just straight away.
1: Yeah, and I think, I mean, especially at Apple here, but uh, th- there's, of course, other really good small um, Bluetooth uh, earphones now coming out. And I think these, these will do the most for like voice interfaces in a long time. And especially like, so Siri exists on the AirPods. I've used it once by design. And that was actually recently, but it works really well. Like I had all my hands full. I could basically, no, wait. I, yeah, you can't say, hey, Siri yet. I had, so I had to tap my ear. Okay, hold on. So that was... Wait, wait,
0: wait, my iPad. Oh. Um, there was, there was something in... <laughs> nice, no, so you triggered it. Uh, wasn't there something in the Apple keynote where there were... Showing this stuff in a video, but then didn't announce it or something? So, like,
1: apparently, saying that phrase that I won't say right now because it'll trigger all my devices um, should work on the AirPods with version two, is it being speculated, but nothing's been announced. But still, like, I tapped my AirPod and could say, like, well, call this friend over FaceTime audio or whatever, and it works great. Yeah, this is another thing. It's
0: supposed to work on Google-connected Bluetooth devices. I've given up even even trying. And normally it doesn't really matter because you can also hold down the play button if your Bluetooth headset has something like this for like two seconds. And then you will hear the ding sound from Google and then you can dictate something. But the OK Google thing. Yeah, this time
1: you recognize me, right? Oh, you.
0: Sorry, I'm not sure how to help.
1: Yeah, you can't really have a podcast about voice assistants in the modern tech home. Yep. Emio, why don't we take a, not just a
0: step, but a leap backwards and talk about who we are?
1: (laughs) Yeah, oh, right. People don't actually know that. Uh, I like to think I'm more famous than I am. Uh, yeah,
0: I definitely don't, don't think this of myself, but uh, yeah, now we've talked for I don't know how long about voice assistants. <laughs> I haven't given people any background on, I guess, our back- background whatsoever. What if we are just voice assistants? I, I,
1: I want to see a future in which voice assistants talk like this. The voice assistants, having a podcast about voice assistants, that would be that would be great. Yeah, this,
0: this almost has a bit of a retro, futuristic... Yeah, sound to it. Have you watched Maniac on, on Netflix? No, no, I've seen seen it pop up, but I haven't okay, it's, watched it's it. It's fucking amazing. But it, it's, it's actually, like Jonah Hill and, and Emma Stone and Justin. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. There's so many great actors in there. But what I enjoy the most about this, um, ah, Corey Foo... Fu- oh, shit, it's like I, I really... Incredible Japanese director and um, screenwriter behind this. He's got a DP background so everything is just absolutely wonderfully shot. But the beginning, it, it opens up in this world which is <clears throat> roughly in the 80s but then has all those futuristic elements. So AI can actually have meaningful conversations with you but they still use CRT screens and nice clicky ibm style keyboards which is actually fantastic and i wish we could go back to that
1: oh i love my new macbook keyboard i know everybody's gonna hate me for that but it is fantastic i hate you for that okay emil but um why are we even
0: talking here i think this gets us to a nice point because the reason i wanted to have this podcast with you is that you are one of my favorite people to disagree with and i wrote this in so we, we used to work together, and I wrote this in a piece of feedback about you before, because we disagree a lot, I feel, and I always in, come out of every disagreement feeling a bit smarter afterwards. I would say we disagree in good ways. Yeah, I think so too. There, there are positive disagreements.
1: Yeah, so I uh, recently force quitted uh, my uh, my podcast with uh, Pascal at <laughs> uh, at uh, Facebook, Um Signal 9, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, No, so uh, Pascal and I met, yeah, we just talked about this. You started Facebook two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I met Pascal two years ago at Facebook, and uh, I just left Facebook, what, three or four months ago? Something like that? To start my own business? Has it been that long? I think it's been that long, yeah. Like three months. Wow. Yeah. I'm a bit
0: shocked by this, because I, wow, I feel like I've barely done anything since you've left, so that's a bit depressing.
1: Uh, yeah. So, um, we had a podcast at Facebook and we were just excited to continue that. I mean, Pascal is doing a great job continuing that at Facebook, but we also want to continue having a podcast. Yeah. Please check
0: out inside Facebook mobile. That's my other podcast.
1: Yeah. And, uh, I mean, a little bit about me, I joined Facebook basically after university, after I'd studied like computer science and interaction design. And I worked there on basically u i frameworks so like litho Kit, yoga react native uh on the on the core frameworks team at at facebook and um uh, yeah i left about three months ago to um start my own um uh, venture into uh into u i frameworks actually uh so uh so we're building a company around uh u i frameworks um specifically trying to solve uh, the speed of iteration on mobile and uh and also Trying to take a stab at solving cross platform in a, in a bit of a unique way. So, uh, more on that later. I hear you're hiring as well. Oh, we are hiring, yes. Um. So, please write into the Buckingham Palace. Yes, tell the creator. <laughs> She'll tell me. Oh, yeah. And
0: I'm um, mostly known as Passy on the interwebs.
1: Also, real Passy.
0: Oh, God, yeah. Um, Well, actually, I want to exclude everything Facebook-related. I've got my other podcast for this, and that makes um, the whole legal stuff a lot easier if I just exclude this one from the conversation. Wait,
1: Facebook has a legal department?
0: Yeah, it's like one or two people sitting somewhere in the basement. Okay, cool. Yeah, and uh, I worked at Twitter before for three years, did um, small web startups before for uh, like five years, maybe. And now, two years at Facebook. So, I've been in the industry for a while. And yeah, I kind of like podcasts.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you had a couple of days listened on, uh, on your podcast app. I think it was you had okay, listened yeah. to <clears throat> Let's actually bring
0: this Let's look into this now. Days of podcasts. So, we both use Pocket Casts, right? And we've just found out that Emil actually doesn't use any of the playback settings at all. I didn't even know they existed. That's that's just mind-boggling to me. And, and now that I know that it exist, I'm not going to use them either. Wow. Because, I i mean, my, my podcast habits are a bit ridiculous. One could call them unhealthy, I guess. So let's see. So I'm currently subscribed to <clears throat> 325 podcasts. Oh, wow. How many do you have? Wait, how do I see this? Uh, so for me, it's just in the sidebar for the number of... Oh, I have 27.
1: Okay, yeah, I'm slight difference. Slight um, difference. My list of unplayed podcasts... I, I, I need more, though. Like, there's, mul- there's multiple days a week where I have nothing to listen to, so I need more, so... I mean, talking on podcasts about podcasts is about as meta as you can
0: get, but it also appears to happen quite a bit. Um, I, I also have a dedicated podcast phone, which is uh, for battery life optimizations and uh, storage reasons. So, okay, just so- my current playlist, so basically the up next list of things I want to listen to is still, <laughs> Jesus, um, <laughs> 64 hours long. Oh. But my, normal, my normal playback speed is at
1: 2.5x. Uh, mine is at 1.0x. Wow. I, I like to hear the natural voices of the people I listen to.
0: So, especially when I listen to podcasts that I'm on, I, I just cannot do this at 1x editing stuff is painful enough but then if i go like do this last pass of making sure that everything is still coherent i need to listen to this at at least like 1.8x
1: are you in the process of listening to anything right now like actually have an episode in progress oh yeah yeah plenty what's 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 one of those
0: oh uh the one that i uh was listening before we met was uh decode with kara swisher
1: uh, the NYT's Maggie Haberman. Yes. That is the one I'm listening to right now. Oh my so God, uh, really? I am you uh, like halfway through it. I've got uh, 29 minutes left. Uh, I have 33 minutes left. So we're basically at the same po- point in the same podcast. Okay, cool. <laughs> that is pretty wild when you consider
0: that I've got 325 podcasts in my yeah. list
1: but wow. i mean your stats are insane
0: okay like, yeah let, let's talk about the stats so how many uh,
1: hours of podcasts have you listened to uh 14 days and eight hours since i joined about a year ago okay mine's still loading <laughs> yeah this should tell you something still fetching still loading spinner
0: hey pocket cars could you please maybe make this faster i wonder if it just aggregates something on the device okay so here we go since the 29th of may 2015 so that's like three and a half years yeah. um you have listened to 109 days and 22 hours but this excludes the time saved by the playback settings that i have uh which is i i, I ramped it up gradually i'm pretty sure i started at maybe like 1.2 x and then got at two and for most uh, let, let's talk about this in a bit but so i've got like variable speed for different podcasts Skipping here says five days, 16 hours. That's probably mostly um, ads that I've listened to before. Um, Variable speed is 227 days, removing silence. And this one is crazy to me. So that's like an automatic setting you can do, which trims out silences that the app can detect itself. So like the editor didn't find it necessary to uh, remove pauses. It's 15 days and four hours. That's 15 days of silence. Wow. I mean... That's that's crazy to me. And skipping intros is 20 hours and 25 minutes. But the, the silence one is just crazy to me because I don't realize when silence is skipped. It's not like I'm missing something. I don't, I don't feel like
1: it. So, so I have variable speed. I've saved one second on. I think yeah. I accidentally <laughs> turned it on once. <laughs> um, trim silence, I've saved zero seconds on. I haven't turned it on. I like. I think sometimes they want that dramatic silence. I want to keep that in there. And skipping intros, I don't know how, and I don't really feel like learning how, so that's zero seconds as well. Skipping, like skipping, forward and back, or whatever, that's 27 minutes, all of that is accidental pocket skipping, because I never really do it (laughs) voluntarily. So do you listen to ads in general? Yeah. So I listen to some, because...
0: Uh, I, I even like bought a surprisingly high number of items based on podcast ads. So I, I, I feel like I'm quite susceptible to this like for, way of advertising. For me, it's
1: more like I'm almost always doing something at the same time as listening to a podcast. So if I hear an ad, like or if I hear a segment that I'm not super excited about, I know it's usually only going to last a minute. Like, do I really grab my phone, open the podcast app and do all of that just to skip? Like, no, I'm I'm just going to, I'm just going to wait through it.
0: So ATP, for instance, they have chapter markers, and Marco is kind enough to even add chapter markers to the ad reads. And most of the ads I've heard before, and if there's one that I've heard before, like uh, Mac Weldon or Casper, I will gladly skip the two two and a half minutes ahead for, for the ad read because
1: well, it's two and a half minutes. Oh
0: man, there are some podcasts which do even longer oh, ads. So reads. the
1: only the only ad read that I'm actually, like, annoyed by at times is the talk show with John Gruber. Holy shit. Because those are, like, five (sighs) minutes long. Yeah. Uh, But, like, all the other ones are typically, like, I don't know, like, Rico Decode has ads. That's, like, 20 seconds or whatever, Max. Like, I'm not going to take out my phone and skip that. It's, like, whatever. Um, Yeah. But, like, talk show, like, I would skip that. That takes forever.
0: (laughs) But podcasts are such an interesting medium to advertise on because when the person that you've been listening to for sometimes hours gives an endorsement for a product, it sounds more genuine than most other advertising forms that are out there. Yeah, I think it I think it's pretty good. So one thing about um playback speed. It's it's kind of weird and I would really like to see a study about this, but I can easily listen to sometimes even 3X for certain American podcasts. For British podcasts, I cannot get beyond 1.8x and have like any comprehension by the by the end of the episode about what was going on and i really wonder if this is just because the majority of podcasts that i listen to have american speakers in them or if there's something inherent in you know the the way the voice flows or something and that that makes it harder or easier to understand i would just assume it's you're like more
1: used to it that said like when you put on a podcast just now it had like 3.5x or whatever. I just heard gibberish. I can't listen to something at higher
0: than 1.5 X on speakers. On earphones, it's fine.
1: Oh, okay. Interesting.
0: There must be some weird audio effects going on there that uh, that that influence this. Interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean I thought it just sounded like gibberish. Um I'm gonna keep myself at one 1.0. I like I like hearing the how it should be you you get a lot of information from uh the the pace that somebody talks and i don't know i like that storytelling
0: i know some people have very strong feelings about the playback speed i know this especially for highly produced content like serial or something like this where i also dial down the the playback speed quite a bit i don't know like dramatic pauses and everything are definitely a thing and they add to you to the feeling i mean I wouldn't like watch game of Thrones at 1.5 X or something crazy like this. right? Right. And that's essentially the same. If you're just using a podcast as a storytelling format, but personally my favorite podcasts are the exact opposite. They are the very loose discussion based, possibly interview shows, but genuinely I prefer the person to person
1: discussions. Right. I mean, that's what I listen to as well. Um, but they're, they're often so quick anyways. Uh, Like, I don't know, like, take something like equity. Like, the spats between the people are so, can be so quick.
0: That's actually one where I reduce the speed to, mostly because of numbers. I, I just cannot in my head just put the numbers back together when they talk about it. yeah, well they increased the, the retention by twelve point eight five percent and now have an annual revenue of fourteen point five million leading to blah blah blah. This is this just doesn't make sense to me when I listen to it at, at higher speeds.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, I really need to find some more like I'm so pissed that exponent stopped. Yeah, man, that was definitely one of my favorites to you. Then that said, Ben Thompson did get me to subscribe to Stratechery uh, by, by quitting the podcast. So, you know, you probably gained something from it.
0: I guess this is our exit here too, right? At some point, we will just stop and convert everyone listening to this to our paid newsletter. Exactly. It's the way to do it.
1: Yeah, those are definitely the ones... The ones um... I like to listen to Do you remember what your first podcast was that you listened to? Yeah, I think it was uh, Serial, actually. <laughs> okay,
0: so you're one of those people. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely podcast hipster, But I do not fully remember what one of the first podcasts was, or even the first. I I, I do have some in mind that could have been uh, that thing. One of them is Texing, which uh, is exactly well okay i don't want to say exactly the thing that we're doing because we are nearly as eloquent at, at these people who've been doing this now for probably close to a decade or something <clears throat> and they've changed a whole lot it's just two people two founders more or less working on different tech stuff in the beginning they talked a lot about programming then more about the business side of things and i was mostly about like hobby projects and their kids and stuff but since I've been, I feel like I've been with them so long on the on their life journey, it's still kind of interesting to me. And I I get the feeling that it would be very difficult for someone else to get into it now. And the other one was a Lost Decade podcast, which has sadly stopped two people who became indie developers and basically, I believe, started while they were still employed at a at Yahoo, working on web stuff, but doing some indie game dev on the side. And yeah, they, they spun up created their own business and it was just super interesting to hear their journey on this front. So like those personal stories are something I always f- found really cool to connect to.
1: Yeah, I mean these days I just listen to podcasts like Equity, Rico Decode, a bunch of podcasts coming out of VCs uh, like A16Z, Greylock, GGV, Basically VC podcasts uh, and business podcasts mainly, and then some tech general tech podcasts like Rico Decode or The Verge or stuff like that. Yeah, but my far favorite are like the tech business podcasts.
0: Yeah, Exponent was really fantastic. It was yeah. so insightful every conversation that they had.
1: Acquired as well is like if you haven't seen Acquired, like or listened, I guess like that's also such such a great one in the same vein, kind of. But I've actually gotten into the ones like produced by the venture capitalists. And they're surprisingly very, very good. I mean, maybe not surprisingly, but they're insightful into the businesses and uh and they interview some interesting people.
0: Have you learned anything specific that you can remember from the podcast? I don't know. I'm
1: listening to a new one now called 996. Oh, that's the Chinese one, isn't it? Yeah, it's GGV's like China arm. Um and it's fantastic to um to learn a lot about Ch- China China tech uh, and the culture there. And the,
0: the, the name nine nine six came from um, nine nine to nine six days a week. Yes, right? the
1: the uh, Chinese like or the China tax uh, like uh, work culture, uh, working nine to nine uh, six days a week. Whew! <sighs> yeah, I mean, I know those days. I did that. Uh, I still kind of do that. Uh, although not super productively 9 to 9, but yeah.
0: Yeah, that's the thing I've discovered for myself. It's, it's... There, there is a limited resource that you're tapping in whenever you work on a schedule like this. And I mean, I, I do have some admiration for people who can be productive on a schedule like this. It's just not me.
1: Well, I don't see many people who actually are productive on... Like, they might think they are, but... Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, look at Elon Musk. He was one of those people where...
0: People would definitely attribute this kind of behavior to you, right? He was sleeping on the floor of his factory, and everyone still was is. he still is, but <laughs> you can certainly see the effects, especially now uh that this has on, on his life and his behavior
1: yeah um i I mean I do think it is possible to be productive eighteen hours a day, sixteen hours a day uh, as long as you're doing different things uh like I can't code sixteen hours per day but but i can definitely work 16 hours a day and it's usually a mix of like having having discussions with people just thinking through problems writing some code doing some emailing like all those things if it's varied i can do 16 hours of work uh i try not to but i feel like i'm the exact opposite i can probably do the same thing
0: no no that's not true i could probably code for 16-18 hours and i've done this But if I have to interleave this with meetings and, I don't know, ideation, whatever you want to call, um, product bullshit in between, this is draining me so much that I can't do this for longer than, I don't know, 10
1: hours a day, or I'm completely exhausted by the end of it. I mean, most of my time I actually just spend thinking about both like product, but also code and apis and things like that like i spend very little time actually coding
0: well here's the thing i don't know when the last time was i actually had enough in my mind that
1: required 18 hours of straight coding right like coding i don't know after like many years coding coding is like actual typing the buttons is pretty trivial uh like if you're comfortable in the language you're using whatever it's like hard part is figuring out what you're supposed to type not not actually typing it out and and i don't know i like to sit and think about that um prior and i i mean i'm gonna write probably a blog post on this soon but I, i like to do what i call more like documentation driven development like i'll actually just like write out the docs and think through how everything works before i write any code. And the code writing itself is pretty trivial, usually.
0: I try to spend way more time these days than I did in the beginning of my career thinking about how not to write any code at all.
1: Yeah. How like, to
0: reduce the actual lines that I'm writing
1: to yeah, as few like as possible. Yeah, and I feel like if you start writing code before you actually know exactly how everything's going to kind of look, then you end up writing too much code in the end.
0: Yeah, I mean, code in the end is a liability. Yeah. Yeah. You... Definitely feel this more in a big company than in a small one, I would assume, because you, there there is the more code you have, the more you have to maintain.
1: People will ping you about your stuff. You own more things, and for my startup now, like we've just started coding, but we started started by writing a full specification for like our whole protocol. I started writing the docs for the the SDKs before writing a single line of code. and Man, I love documentation-driven development. Yeah, like, writing the SDK now is trivial. Like, I know exactly how, what the public API is and how it's supposed yeah. to work together. Yeah. And yeah, that's really, like, it'll take me a day or two to hash out the details, but, like, whatever. Um, that's not the thing that's hard or takes a long time to do.
0: I remember writing something like this for my thesis. I write a uh, hypermedia... Um, JavaScript SDK back then. Oh, wow. And it sounds fancier than it is, but that was also something where I spent a lot of time just thinking about the API in the beginning and spent most of the time probably writing the docs. And once those were in place, I wrote the tests for the API. And then the last part was implementing everything. And then I could just see, okay, going from 0% green and 100% red to... That relationship shifting more and more to to the green side, and was just fantastic because you could actually see how much is left for you to do before the entire project is finished. So yeah. that was a fantastic experience. But unfortunately, this isn't really something that's applicable to too many different projects. I feel.
1: I don't know. I think it can be applicable to quite a lot. I mean, it depends on what area you're working in, of course. But I think, I mean, in the end, I think most projects are underdocumented, right? uh yes so certainly so starting out with the documentation and like over pivoting towards that is probably not a bad idea
0: but then there are also certain projects where the api only really becomes clear once you get started i
1: feel well i feel like the api i wouldn't say so like the api becomes clear when you know like can become clear by just writing out all the docs it's seldom that it's. Sometimes it is very implementation specific. You notice that, oh, like, oh, we actually need to do like, uh, do manual memory management. Oh, that's like, of course, going to affect the whole API. Right. But like, oftentimes, I don't feel like that's the case. Uh, sometimes it definitely is. and I feel
0: like sometimes specific constraints only become obvious once you start implementing them and they really fundamentally change the API requirements too. And then you need to go back. You need to change the docs. You need to change the
1: tests. And you have this, this whole waterfall loop that well, you find yourself in. I don't know. like Then you do an iteration on the docs knowing those new constraints and then Maybe, you go yeah, from there. So Sometimes this is a perfectly fine trade-off to make, but...
0: I still, I had this one wonderful project. I mean, there have probably been two or three (laughs) throughout my programming career, but I obviously try to find this panacea again and again. And unfortunately, I find that there
1: are so few projects where this actually works this well. Yeah. I mean, nothing, nothing will work perfectly ever, basically. No, no, no. Uh, This, this project, it was perfect. But, uh... But yeah, I mean, I mean I know what you mean that implementation details sometimes detract from this and I mean I had this working on Litho. I still have a better API in mind than what Litho is using today. Um I guess, like, Yoga could be one of those projects where it's also pretty clear
0: where you want to go right from the start. Yeah. So yeah. J- just for, for people who, who might be listening to this, or maybe not, but Yoga is this native implementation of Flexbox, which can be used across, well, different UI frameworks, Android, iOS, web, yeah, it's
1: desktop could, applications. So. server-side as well. Like. Right, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty, like, clear-cut library it does one thing you have
0: an existing specification that you essentially need to implement your inputs and outputs are pretty clear well well defined defined. and your integration test suite which uh, i saw was the coolest thing ever was just comparing the outputs of yoga to was it chrome yeah
1: or like sometimes i had to compare to chrome safari and firefox because they all output different things sweet i just need to choose one and go with it just Um, yeah
0: yeah pick pick one in the middle right
1: yeah but yeah, like, I, I definitely, like, I still don't like the way props are designed in Litho, for example. We're
0: approaching Facebook territory here,
1: which I won't talk about, but yeah, you go ahead. But, but this is, like, well, what I'm getting at is, like, I had some really fantastic API designs for it, but then when starting to implement, you notice that, oh, shit, you can't actually do this because of a constraint. Right, in uh, the Android system, or or um, something due to memory management, or something like
0: that. Okay, but to generalize this problem, that sounds to me like a place where prototyping just comes in. You don't just start off a project by immediately writing your docs for the outcome, but you probably want to just play around a bit first.
1: Yeah, probably. I
0: think that's a good way to put it. Hello, this is Passy from the Future. I'm not actually going to tell you about a new name, but because it's taken us quite a while to get this published, and it's almost November, this means there are two upcoming events that I wanted to quickly talk about. One of them is a strange holiday or celebration here in the UK in which we celebrate Almost blowing up the government. And there is something fairly similar coming up in the US, namely the midterm elections. And I wanted to let you know that Europe is really counting on you to get this right. So please go out and vote. Please tell your friends to go out and vote. Please do some canvassing. There is still some time left, I hope, by the time that you listen to this. And well, I don't want to turn this into a partisan announcement, but if you want to go out and vote for, child separation and putting babies into cages, dehumanising transsexuals and literally sympathising with Nazis, then please, by all means, go fuck yourself and find some other podcasts to listen to because this is clearly not the one for you. So if you are a resident or a citizen of the US, please check out votesafeamerica.com for more information on how to get involved and how to get people to polling places and what Ballot initiatives are available, and that's all I have to tell you from this little soapbox here. And now back to the podcast. Okay, I feel like I'm starting to get a bit hoarse after talking for this long. What for what should have been a very short intro to the two of us and escalated in in very uh, at least to me interesting ways. Yeah, I do kind of hope that uh, it's not just the two of us who find this interesting. So, yeah, um, but let us know. In addition to sending letters via snail mail to the Buckingham Palace, which may or may not ever arrive in our hands, I guess you can also just tweet us.
1: I Emil, mean, what's your handle? I'm at my name, uh, which is long and Swedish. What, when did you join Twitter? Uh, is there nothing Twitter, short available? I don't know. Can you see that? Can you see that? Eight years ago, maybe?
0: I mean, then it should definitely show up on your profile. I, I do remember that, we, um, back that back then we uh, added this feature of showing the date, and I believe we didn't show it for people who joined, like, joined very April recently. I joined April 2010. Oh, that's pretty good. I think I joined two thousand eight, April two thousand eight. So it's like, yeah. So my uh, it's at
1: Emil Uh Good luck spelling that. I don't think I've ever heard your last name being pronounced by itself. I didn't know there was a sh in there. Yeah, I mean that's that's the the Americanified pronunciation of it. Ah, oh, I see. What's so, what's the Swedish pronunciation? Emil Schölander. See, that's way easier to spell. Uh, Is it, though? (laughs) Uh, So good luck finding me, but you'll always find Pascal at at Parsi. That's right. And for the record, this is not a name I got through
0: some internal contacts, but that was actually still available when I joined in 2008. That is cool. I wanted to add Emil, but that, no. Man, life must be so hard for all the teens who are signing up for social media now. Mm -hmm. I mean, they can only go for Emil
1: 1568B or something. Yeah yeah it's a hard life yeah anyways good podcasting and uh well we might do a second episode at one point hopefully we might yeah all right let us know what you think and uh
0: until then subscribe to us under whatever name we actually end up choosing for this i mean i i could do a voiceover, i guess at this point when we actually know what it's
1: going to be called but for now it's her majesty's tech podcast working title see you later see ya
0: I am recording! Woohoo! Okay, uh, shit, we don't even have a name for this, do we? No, Banana. Banana. Banana cast. The banana cast. Um, have you Have you checked with um, with legal, if that name is still available?
1: Uh, no. Uh, banana. I am my legal department. Banana cast.
0: I'm googling right now. Banana is a British television series. Of course it is. Shit, they've Those done some pretty cool British. actors there. he teach a right place on that. Wait, when was this released? Um, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow, what? Quick mechanical keyboard break, because my, um, Mac locked. And I need to fix this.